0: soundboard The Steinway & Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. I'm your producer and host, Ben Finan, editor-in-chief at Steinway and & Sons and at listenmusicculture.com. My guest today is Steinway artist Billy Joel, who has sold over 150 million records and is among the most popular singer-songwriters in the world. Joel, despite his myriad influences, now listens mainly to classical music. Though his last album was released in 2001, He continues to compose at the piano and says,
1: I would refer to Beethoven as God.
0: I interviewed Joel in July on the eve of his 100th sold-out show in New York City's Madison Square Garden, where he has performed monthly since January 2014. Mr. Joel, downstairs you said it was a peak of your life to have this 100th show. Can you put it in perspective for me, the, the capstone of 100 shows
1: at the Garden? I can't even get my head around it still. Uh, I think it's going to take a little time after I've done it to fully appreciate what it means. Uh, I'm just looking at doing the show today. I have a sh- it's a show day. i got to rehearse. i got to sound check. I'm going to make sure everything is you know, running the way it should. And then afterwards, I'll probably be able to get my hands around it.
0: As a hit maker, as a platinum songwriter... You're you're in Lennon-McCartney territory right now. You're in Sting territory. Could you talk a bit about what you see as the staying power of your music?
1: I ain't never really been able to figure that out. I always wrote the songs I wrote for me. I wasn't thinking about an audience. I wasn't thinking about record sales. I wasn't thinking about radio play. I was thinking about what do I want to hear? And... Maybe I'm fortunate that other people wanted to hear the same stuff I did. But that's really what I was writing for. I was writing for my own enjoyment. I wanted to hear what I wrote. I don't know how that translates into the kind of success that I've had. I, I, I've never been able to figure that out. But I don't know if I want to either.
0: Something magical about the, the alchemy.
1: There's an alchemy. There's a sorcery. There's a wizardry to it that musicians do. And I think once you dissect it or post-mortem it, you can kill it.
0: But maybe we could talk a bit about your aesthetic and, and what this alchemy comes from. You have duop, Beatles, rock. I know you're a Beethoven guy. What else is it that, that all goes into that aesthetic for you?
1: Well, I, I fell in love with music at an early age. My father was a pianist. He was German. He had taken piano lessons and there was we had a piano in the house and an old upright that wasn't very good but my father could make it sound good because of the way he played. Uh, and my mom was always bringing home records from the library, Broadway shows, classical music, opera, Harry Belafonte records, and we also we always played the radio in my house and fortunately in New York you got such a wide spectrum of different kinds of music listening to New York City radio. So I I was exposed to it at an early age and fell in love with it. Um, And I started taking piano lessons at an early age. My mom brought me to a teacher who lived down the street. And I was fascinated with classical music for the first 16 years of my life. And I always refer to it as, that was the sweet girl next door. And then when I was a teenager, this rock and roll girl came along with fishnet stockings and smeared lipstick. Smoking cigarettes, and she dragged me away from the girl next door. And I, we had a passionate affair for a good forty years. And now I've rediscovered the girl next door. She looks really good these days. <laughs> so I listen mostly to classical music now.
0: Is Beethoven that girl next door for you? If you if you have to pick a classical guy,
1: um, I would refer to Beethoven as God. Okay. Uh,
0: Why? Why? Why is Beethoven God?
1: Because everything he wrote was exactly right. Um, I can't name all the, the Mozart 40 symphonies. I can name a couple of them. But I can tell you pretty much everything about nine, the nine Beethoven symphonies. Uh, his quartets, um, his concertos, his sonatas, the, the, all of it is just, it's perfect. He always wrote exactly the right note. Now, how do you do that? And I've gotten copies of his original manuscripts when he was writing. And I saw in a lot of those manuscripts, he gouges out huge passages of music. He's, no, no, I don't like that. I hate that. I don't want anybody to see that. You could tell he was writing in fits and starts. The opposite of of Mozart. The the opposite of Mozart, who was, Mozart was like a a talented athlete, uh, you know, born to it. Every stride was just graceful and, you know, beautiful. Beethoven was very human, and I hear that in his music, uh, and that's why I I worship him.
0: When you write, you you write music first, and, and lyrics come later. At, as a songwriter, so do you write at the Steinway? Yes. You, tell me, could you tell me about that process? Do you sit down with a with a theme or a motive, or or is there a, a grand scheme, or how does it work?
1: Some days I'll wake up in the morning with a theme in my head or a melody or a chord progression or something rhythmic and I'll sit down at the piano and try to work out what that was that was in my head. Some days um, I just sit at the piano and say, okay, let's see what happens, allowing the music to move me. I'm not thinking about words. I'm not thinking about you know, the subject matter of the song. I'm waiting for the music to move me to want to finish a piece, to complete a piece. Uh, I still don't even read music to this day. I should. I should have stayed with that, that part of my lessons because it's a great tool to have in the toolbox. But um, I'm, I'm writing as, I guess, a naive artist. I sit at the piano and do it sometimes
0: do those ideas take a while to develop you come back to them is, is there like a, a catalog of half finished or, or yeah. progress
1: there's a lot of fragments floating around uh, and sometimes I'll get an idea and I'll need to get to a piano immediately there's a waltz on the um, the instrumental album I did called fantasies and delusions the waltz is Steinway it's called Steinway Hall this was in the old Steinway showroom on on 57th Street in Manhattan I was walking around in town I said I got this idea I gotta get to a piano, I gotta write it right now. Went to Steinway Hall. I asked the people there, Can I can I get to a piano? Can I play a piano right now? Okay, Mr. Joel. Brought me in the back and I was able to write this thing pretty much in one sitting by being able to play the Steinway. So, um, I I named it the Walt Steinway Hall.
0: What was your first encounter with a uh, Steinway?
1: The piano teacher that my mom took me to had a Steinway piano. Uh, it was a Steinway B, a Model B Grand, and it was so much better than the piano that we had in our house. I used to love to go to her house to play her piano, not because I liked taking lessons, because I just loved the sound of the piano that she had. It was set up in a studio, and the acoustics were we're fairly um, ambient, and that that piano. I wish to try to get it. A, can you? Can we lift the lid up on the piano because I want it louder. Uh, and sometimes she would, and sometimes she wouldn't. But um, that was my first exposure to a Steinway piano. I was about five years old.
0: How does the Steinway contribute to what you do? How does it
1: help you do what you do? Steinways. They're such well built instruments that. Even if you're not coming up with the original stuff that you want to, you tend to linger at the piano and spend more time working on it because it sounds so good. Now, every almost every piano is different. Every Steinway that I've ever played is different. But they're all good in different ways. Uh, some of them have more um, uh, top end. Some of them have a deeper bass. Some of them are are more fluid to play. Some of them are more staccato to, to play. But they're all good in different ways. And you, I just know that when I'm playing a Steinway, I'm always going to enjoy what's coming out of that thing. And I'm not a really good piano player. Uh, I'm no uh, Ashkenazi or Horowitz or Lang Lang. Lang Lang came to my house recently. Uh, what did he play? He played the, the, the Steinway that's in my house and he, he pronounced it a very good piano, which I was, okay, lang, lang, give it. It's the seal of approval. But uh, it, it, you're always going to get a good sound uh, out of a Steinway. It's, it's like it's something to do with the hand crafting that goes into it, like a Matisse or a Bugatti. You know, it's one of a kind, but you know, it's going to be good.
0: Just as Dylan started as a folk singer and then sort of exploded the boundaries of, of folk into rock. Is it fair to say that that's what you did as a, as a lounge pianist, as a cabaret pianist, that you took that material and then you became too big for, the, for those borders?
1: Well, I wanted to get the hell out of the piano bar. Uh, I never wanted to stay there for too long. Hey! I think I brought a lot of my classical aesthetic into writing rock and roll and pop music.
0: How does that manifest itself, your classical aesthetic, in your pop writing?
1: I do, if I had a piano, I could show you an okay. example of it. But you take a song like uh, "Uptown Girl." Mm-hmm. If you play the melody in the right hand and you add an Alberti bass in the left hand, and an Alberti bass is da 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 da. Now imagine the right hand. It's like a classical piece. same with a, a piece like for the longest time it's it's mozartian And there are, there are some pieces. Well, I stole from Beethoven. Um, which song is it? A song called "This Night." I actually gave him credit. I didn't give him any money, but I gave him a credit on the album. People so say, "Oh, he stole from Beethoven." No, I didn't steal. I gave him credit. Just didn't pay him. Uh, but uh, there's a piece called "This Night." which I uh, lifted from the pathetic. There's a lot of that stuff in my music. I, I have a classical sensibility uh, of chords and melody and and uh, dynamic. Because a lot, a lot of times this, in rock music, there's one level of volume and it never changes, and the chords don't change. I, I, I find myself sometimes yelling at and change chords, will you? <laughs> uh, some people are very happy to just plots on one chord. I, I like dynamics, I like differences, I like changes, I like variations. And you learn that in classical music. How to develop.
0: Beyond the, beyond the classical border, we, we hear a lot of, a lot of Beatles and, and Beatles-esque uh, moves and harmonies in your music.
1: I never said you had to a second chance. I never said I was a victim of circumstance Every dog must have his
0: every day Every drunk must have his drink Don't wait for answers Just take a chance
1: The sins of Amsterdam were still a recent surprise, and it shouldn't surprise you at all.
0: You know, for you as a singer-songwriter, how did they influence you and, and change the game for you?
1: When I first heard the Beatles, I was absolutely knocked out. They wrote their own songs. They played their own instruments. They weren't a product of Hollywood. They were four working class guys from Liverpool making their own music their own way. And this was a new thing. I was in love with the Beatles. I still think they're the best band there ever was. They weren't the greatest singers. They weren't the greatest players. But it just worked. It just worked. The, the combination of these people was perfect as an ensemble. And I don't think there's been a band like that since.
0: Musically, are there things still left that you want to do and, and try and figure out?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm still writing music to this day. I haven't done any recordings for a while because I'm kind of learning. It's a learning curve right now, and I don't know when or if I'll record again.
0: What are you learning, Mr. Joel? What are you, what are you working on?
1: I'm, work, I'm playing and writing instrumental music, and I want to make it work uh, where I'm satisfied about it. The one instrumental album I put out, it did very well for a classical album. I think it was number one. I think we knocked out Yo-Yo Ma at a number one, which is, you know, I'm sorry, Yo-Yo Ma. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think I can, I can be better. And so I'm continuing to try to, you know, rise above
0: Is there a challenge to try to find uh, a new level of creativity for songs that have become so familiar and to find a new way in? How do you do that? How do you keep it fresh?
1: We're always trying to change the show no matter what. Every night we want to do something different than we did the the month before. But you can't always be completely unique every night. So, yeah, you you really got to work to come up with something new all the time. I, you know, with the songs that we do, I actually... Have enjoyed recording, and I thought they were pretty good when I wrote them. And I don't feel the need to have to change them too much. I pretty much stay true to the original recordings when we're doing them. Sometimes I've had to drop the keys because my voice has changed. Well, uh,
0: become baritones. The- I'm a
1: baritone now. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Joel. Sure. Thank you. Thanks, guys. The end. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You've been listening to Soundboard, the Steinway and Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. Visit steinway.com/soundboard to learn more. From Billy Joel, we heard clips from the following songs: Steinway Hall from Fantasies and Delusions, performed by pianist Hyung Ki Ju; the eponymous track from Piano Man; Uptown Girl and the Longest Time from An Innocent Man; This Night from River of Dreams; My Life from Fifty Second Street. Don't Ask Me Why from Glass Houses, Lara, Scandinavian Skies and Surprises, from and my and many others considered opinions, Joel's greatest album, The Nylon Curtain, all albums on Columbia Records. We also heard Steinway artist Daniel Berenboim performing the Andante from Beethoven's Pathétique Sonata on Deutsche Grammophon. Our closing theme is Philip Glass's Mad Rush, performed on a Steinway Model M by me, Ben Finan. To watch a video or read a transcript of this interview, visit Steinway's online music magazine at listenmusicculture.com. Questions for the podcast can be sent to info at steinway.com with the subject heading soundboard. Thank you for listening.